Blog Talk Radio. This fall, the Fantasy Sports Channel will make history all over again with even more live fantasy sports radio than anywhere on the planet. At least 12 hours of fantasy football, baseball, basketball, and hockey action each Monday through Friday. Plus more fantasy sports talk every Saturday and Sunday. More than 50 shows in all from the best fantasy sportscasters in the business. Try getting that on your radio dial. The Fantasy Sports Channel, only on Blog Talk Radio. It's a schedule you can bet on. What else? Is this schedule? Yes. It's been a ride. I guess I had to go to that place. Now some of you like to go to that place. If you're trying to get out, just follow me. One bleeds red and one bleeds blue. Two friends, one heated rival. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your host Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Friday, September 17th, 2010. This Broadcasting live from Indianapolis. Hello, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to Red vs. Blue High Stakes Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football. And as always, I'm joined by my big blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mike, it's good to have you back, brother. We were in Las Vegas at legendary Caesars Palace in front of a packed house at the Fantasy Football Players Championship, and uh, a lot of people, a lot of folks asked about you, man. We missed you. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm glad you had, you guys had had a great time, and uh, I sure miss being there. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna make it this uh, next next time around, and you know that had been a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I've, I've been checking out all the uh, different owners, uh, different. Uh, different teams that were involved, and uh, what a great time that had to have been out there in Vegas. And, uh, you know, they do it first class, and, uh, you know, you got to give props to uh, Alex, Dave, and uh, everybody out there that does uh, does their deal because, uh, you know, that's, that's what makes our uh, Sundays a lot of fun. Well, not only was the Fantasy Football Players Championship fun, uh, we, we we spent several days with those guys. We went to the World Championship of Fantasy Football on Saturday uh, at the Venetian, and uh, it was a great time as well. The biggest crowd in in, uh, in high stakes fantasy football was out there for that event, and uh, I drafted up against some of the best players in the business. Man, Dave Gerzak, one of the top rated players in the world. John Culligan, one of the former World Champions of Fantasy Football uh, back in 2004. And it was a loaded draft. Todd Thompson was in the draft as well from the 11 hole. I was looking around and trying to trying to uh, get my bearings, man, because at a draft like that, you just don't know what to expect, and you've got to be at the top of your game. And I made some mistakes looking back, Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm going to kick myself over those, but drawing that four pick and having Adrian Peterson fall to you after a, after a slow Thursday night game, Mike, I didn't mind that one bit. Well, you know, I I can certainly understand that. I know I was in a drunken state about three weeks ago when I when I said Adrian Peterson wouldn't score many touchdowns. Well, I'm going to stand by that. I, you know, I don't think he's going to score that many touchdowns. But uh, that being said, you know, if you get AP at at your four pick, uh, you got to run with that, and you got to run and have fun with it. Hey, and you know, uh, I think you actually. You actually pushed his ADP down with that comment, Mike. I think they're listening here, Red versus Blue. 
this is Red vs. Blue High Stakes Radio. You can reach us at area code 347-324-5404. We're streaming live on Blog Talk Radio and the Fantasy Sports Channel. Uh, you can reach the Fantasy Sports Channel, FSC.fm. The guys, Mark Ronick and the gang, bringing you 24 hours of coverage, nonstop, seven days a week of fantasy action. It's incredible. Uh, we are also on iTunes, so you, we, we stream live there as well on iTunes Radio. And then you can always hit that subscribe button if you're a first-time listener. Hit the subscribe button, and you can uh, update your podcast every week. If you miss it, you can uh, download the show right to your iPod or your MP3 player. Okay, Mike, big week number two after uh, an outstanding week one of action. Uh, it started off Thursday night, Minnesota versus New Orleans, and it wasn't the game we expected after all the 50-some-odd points they scored last year, 14-9 to New Orleans uh, in, 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 a, in a game that, you know, Brett Favre just did not have any chemistry whatsoever from his receivers, Mike, Percy Harvin, Bernard Berrien, the only thing he had going for him is a guy I know you like, and you've been high on for a long time, Visanti Shanko, and, and I think that's going to continue here as we as we progress these next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Uh, you know, when uh, when I found out that uh, Sidney Rice wasn't going to be there, uh, Percy Harvin, you never know what you're going to get uh, with his migraine. Uh, Brett Favre, he needs a solid uh, a solid guy to go with, and uh, it's going to be Shanko. And, you know, I've been very high on uh, Shianko for uh, for a long time, and, you know, I've got him in a couple of different leagues, and I'm going to continue to go with him because uh, Brett Favre loves a, a dependable person to be with. And uh, I think uh, right now it's going to be Shianko, and I'm going to I'm going to go with him uh, again this week, uh, especially they're, they're at home, so uh, that should uh, make it even better. Well, he, he definitely took advantage of those uh, that Saints secondary in the second half, and you could tell that Favre had a lot of confidence in him. I think he's a guy that if you have him on your bench, uh, a lot of times you might have drafted him as your number two tight end possibly in the FFPC format, maybe your number one in the world championship. Uh, but, you know, uh, he's, a, he's a guy that, you know, he, he caught that 33-yard team pass, and then right after that, bam, a 20-yard touchdown strike where he just went up and got the ball. And, and you know, it was just nice to see Favre uh, getting some chemistry with him. And he's the guy that he's the guy that I could see. I could use him as a flex right now, Mike. He's that type of player. I think he his, his draft stock went way up on Friday and Saturday after that game. Second half was a little bit different. The Saints made some adjustments, and they put one of their uh, DBs on him, and it just nothing happened in the second half at all for Favre. And, you know, Varian didn't do anything. Camarillo, really nothing. Harvin, let's look. I mean, Harvin had some issues right now. He's got – he's limited this week with a hip injury. He's been limited in practice all week. So you really can't expect anything out of him this week against Miami. It's going to be more Adrian Peterson and Visanti Shanko. That's what we're going to see against Miami. I, you know what? I totally agree. And, uh, you know, kind of to segue into something else, Scott, is uh, – the average points uh, in 2009 for the first week uh, when the teams played each other was 44. Uh, the average point, the average total points this year was 37. Uh, it's obviously a game of defense right now. Uh, there was not a lot of offense, and you know there was very few. You know you can pick and pick and choose uh, like your uh, Arian Foster's, your uh, Matt Forte, uh, Hakeem Nix. Uh, Peyton Manning, they went off a little bit. But other than that, I mean, it's it's a lot of defense. So that's going to make the, the game that we play uh, a lot more challenging. Well, again, everything started off, Mike, on Thursday night with that New Orleans-Minnesota game. We had our drafts on Friday uh, morning, afternoon, uh, and then we also had drafts, uh, again, Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon. I had four big drafts there on Friday and Saturday in Las Vegas. It's just an incredible euphoric feeling to be there. I encourage everybody that's not a high-stakes player, get involved. Start listening to Red vs. Blue. We've got some of the best players in the world in this chat room here tonight. They'd be happy to help answer your who do I start questions. Uh, there's never a question that they won't uh, help you with, So, uh, and, and we'll be we'll be uh, taking a listen uh, and, and helping you out as well. But congrats. let's get the congrats out of the way. Because right now, if you drafted one of these guys, you're feeling pretty good about things. Matt Forte, 
you got him late. Arian Foster, his draft stock obviously went up, but if you took him in the second or third, you've got to feel good about the guy that you drafted there with a 40-point effort week one. Wes Welker, Mike, uh, again, a lot of questions preseason, but, look, the guy's just doing it again. And, and, and I think we're all looking and saying he's healthy, he looks fine, he's feeling fine, he can't wait to get that, that, that darn brace off his leg. And I could, I could see another 100 catch season out of Welker. McFadden, if you took McFadden, you got him somewhere pretty late uh, compared to uh, a lot of the other performers there. Now, you know, Michael Bush is the true running back on that team, but McFadden fills that role right now. And he's looking like the player last week, anyway, that, you know, Oakland drafted him to be. Now, we'll, we'll see what happens in the, in the future weeks. But, hey, if you drafted him, again, you feel good and a congrats is in order. Absolutely, Scott. Uh, you you got to take advantage of uh, what's in front of you. And uh, you, if you're thinking, well, uh, Michael Bush, he's not going to be ready week one, maybe not even week two. Who knows? And uh, so what's the best option? Well, okay, I'll take Derek McFadden. And, uh, you know, he's going to get the tenth, tenth most points of uh, anybody that's in the in the league. So uh, that's great. And uh, I want to give you props, uh you uh, scoped out a guy that uh, basically put everybody to sleep last year was uh, Eddie Royal. Eddie Royal was a uh, – he's wide receiver number four uh, for Denver, and next thing you know, he just uh, – he, he pops up and, uh, you know, he scores some incredible points, and, and you called that. And uh, how would you do that? Well, thank you, thank you, Mike. I will take credit for that. Uh, that was Red versus Blue's sleeper wide receiver of the year. We named Eddie Royal, and then we had a day drinker decision immediately following it that night. So hopefully, uh, you guys did uh, take advantage of one of those wide receivers. You know, I, obviously both of them, uh, Gaffney and Royal, look to be heavily involved in that offense. But Royal specifically, Mike, uh, eight catches on that day. Uh, he was heavily involved in the slot. That's what we like to see from him. Ten targets, eight catches. I mean, that's that's the type of uh, that's the type of a royal we we wanted to see we wanted to see him last year like that. I mean, when we drafted him so high, but this year you could get him in the eighth or ninth, and that's that's definitely a value pick that could maybe win somebody some cash. So yeah, we got lucky on on that. I, I think um, he does have a groin injury already, though, Mike. So he didn't practice Wednesday. He was limited on Thursday. Now Friday today he was a full go in practice. So he's he's going to be fine. He's going to play. But uh, Eddie Royal, somebody that you will want to watch. Look, that offense, Josh McDaniels, is coming from New England. They're they're going to air it out, and they're going to go three wide on it. So Royal is the West Welker of Josh McDaniels' offense. It's just that's where he's at. They kept it very. It, it, the news came out a little bit, and then they kind of just went hush hush, uh, you know, Bill Belichick style. And you know, Royal Royal looks like he's back. So let, let's see what he can do uh, this week against uh, a Seattle secondary that never likes to travel on the road. So not traveling far, but they are traveling. So Darren McFadden, back to him, man. 18 carries, 95 yards, 6 catches, 55 yards. He's heavily involved in that offense. I mean, Mike, they didn't really have anything else going for him against the Titans. The Titans jumped out, jumped all over him. Vince Young did all of his damage in the first half, really. And then it was just Chris Johnson leaning on him the entire second half. So... Uh, that was the story of uh, Darren McFadden. If you drafted Hakeem Nix and listened to BFD Fantasy, you are very happy about things. Uh, Hakeem Nix, Mike, eight catches uh, and uh, three or eight targets, three touchdowns. On eight targets, he scored three times for Eli Manning. Now, he has an ankle injury, Mike, so if you didn't draft Mario Manningham, you're really in a tough, tough situation this week, Mike. That, that Giants game is the Sunday night game. And so you may not have any other options to start. You're in a tough spot. I mean, unless you have somebody on New Orleans like a Meacham or a Devery Henderson that you could plug in in the event that that uh, Knicks does not play, you're waiting till Friday night to find out if he does, till Sunday night to find out if he does play. So hopefully you have packed him up uh, with Mario Manningham. Well, you know what, uh, Scott, what I've got uh... – I've got Knicks in the uh, Kentucky League, and, uh, you know, it, it was a great combination last week with uh, uh, Eli Manning to uh, Hockey Knicks. I mean, that was wonderful. Uh, you know, we luckily I'm able to back him up with a uh, Austin Collie. Uh, you know, I'm going to start him or maybe a, a Danny Amendola. I mean, there's very – I mean, 
there's different situations that can uh, play into this, but uh, I'm banking on uh, Nick's playing, and uh, I'm banking on Nick's and uh, Manning, you know, hooking up again. But uh, the scary thing about it, Scott, was that Nick's, he was targeted a few times, but not that many times. So that tells me that, you know, he could have a three-touchdown game one week and a two-reception, 12-yard game the next week. And that's what's scary about that. Well, again, eight targets. He showed some really good separation. It was clear uh, watching that game. Um, you know, Steve Smith obviously was was the, the heavy target guy, the kind of the moving the chains guy. But, look, when you go in and, and look into the red zone and Eli locks on the Knicks like that, that's a very good sign because the Giants are going to get into the red zone uh, quite a bit, right? That's a, that's a team that's going to get down there, and and they tried last year like hell to break you know break through on, on the ground. This is a team that should have little problems tossing it up to Nick. This guy has such great hands, Mike. He can catch anything, uh, and, and I think he's very hard to sit. But you know, I'm in one of these situations now where I do have Nick's and I backed him up with Manningham. Thank God, but. I almost want to see Nick's, you know, declared out for this game because if he's declared in and he plays, you know, there's no telling. He could with an ankle. I mean, he could go out there and turn it in the first first quarter and be sitting out, and then you don't get anything. So it's almost one of those situations. I'd like to take a week off. We we just got to kind of read between the lines there. And, uh, you know, that's a tough tough decision that – you as a fantasy owner and uh, myself have have to make. I mean, do you start him? Do you not? I mean, you know, what do you do? Uh, is he in? Is he out? Uh, I'm going to bank on. I'm going to bank on that he's in, and I'm going to start him. Well, yeah. If he's in, if he's if he's a go, you've got to get him into the lineup because he's just too potent of a weapon right now uh, in that red zone to deny it. I mean, he gets a chance in that red zone. That ball is his. Don't don't ever fear that. Eli's going to get that ball to Knicks. Knicks will catch the ball. Another guy I'm really happy to see was Dez Bryant, Mike. Dez is going to be heavily involved in this offense. He had 12 targets in that in that game against the Redskins. And Mike, we were in the sports book. We were in the sports book at Caesar's Palace for that uh, Sunday night game, and it was amazing. We all bet on the Redskins for all my Cowboy fans out there. Uh, we bet on the Redskins. Fucking Cowboys. <laughs> And all, the entire sports book jumped up. Uh, all the Cowboy fans jumped up in unison when they threw that touchdown. And then you see the little yellow flag in the corner. And then all the Redskins fans erupted like that, and they sat down. It was an incredible moment. But uh, what I took from that game, and then I want to hear what you took from that game, Mike, because I know you're a Cowboy fan. I saw Marion Barber and Felix Jones both look good. Marion Barber looked very strong. Dez was heavily involved. It looks like Dez, his target, we were wondering where he's going to get all these targets because you know, Austin has 100 catches wrapped up. Maybe Witten has 90. It looks like in that game plan that Witten was the uh, – the targets were taken away from Witten and went to Dez. Now, I think every week will be different, and all the defenses will kind of decide who they want to stop here, pick your poison kind of thing. Austin doesn't look like he can be stopped. So I think we might see week to week maybe Dez will get, you know, double covered and maybe Witten will break out. And I think Romo will look to see which one of those guys – he can also throw to because Austin's going to get his. What do you think? Well, you know, Austin is going to get his. There is no doubt about that. Uh, you can just put that in the book and uh, put it away. Miles Austin is good to go. Uh, if I'm a if I'm a fantasy owner of Jason Witten, I'm leery. I'm very leery because there's too much to go around. Des Bryant is going to get his. Uh, what's going to happen this week against Chicago is run, run, run. I will be surprised if Tony Romo throws more than 30 passes. Uh, they're going to run the ball. They've got to establish that run. If they don't, if they don't understand it, then I don't know who's going to understand it. But uh, they've got to establish the run with uh, two or three headed bulls with, uh, you know, with Marion Barber, uh, Tashard Choice. Even I mean, he's going to get his touches too. So uh, you know, if if you're a uh, if you're a Jason Witten owner this week, I would pass. Um, and I can't believe I'm saying that. Uh, Des Bryant, I would pass. Well, uh, again, he had a lot of targets. Uh, he, he was he was there on those checkdowns, and 
also Witten, you know, he would have caught a pass there in the end zone. It, it, it could have been, a, it would have been a touchdown, you know, and, and Rumble missing. So, you know, Witten would have still had a good game. Very potent passing offense, without a doubt. The Dallas Cowboys will be start them with confidence. I don't see any problem starting any of the Cowboys uh, all the way down to Marion Barber. Felix Jones, I might want to see a little bit more, but again, he gets receptions too. So if you're in a pinch, I mean, even on a bad day, he's going to get you 10 points thereabouts. So I think that's your downside with those guys. Marion Barber, if you saw that, he called a timeout, and, uh, you know, Phil called that timeout. He was gone. You know, he had broken out, and they went right back to that play the very next time, and he, and he ran it uh, to the corner there. So he's a guy that, again, I like what I'm seeing. He looks very strong. He played through that injury last year. He's an absolute warrior. So congratulations he if you're not dead flying. Scott, he is a warrior, but uh, the bottom line is they, they didn't look good in the preseason games, which uh, – they're for show anyway, but they're not necessarily for show because, you know, you can evaluate a lot of things. And what I saw with Dallas against the Houston Texans in the, in the last preseason game, I didn't see much out of Dallas. And what I saw out of Dallas against Washington, I didn't see much. They're going to have to show me something against Chicago. I mean, really show me something. Mike, uh, let, let's, we got the congrats out of the way. Now the sympathies. Uh, if you drafted Ryan Grant, uh, third round, you were looking at a pick right here, Mike. We talked about Ryan Grant, uh, one of the safest picks in the draft to produce at that early at that early draft pick, second, third round type draft pick, uh, even early fourth. You get a guy right there, and you know it's in a safe offense. He's going to get the ground game. He's going to get the goal line. He's going to get a couple of receptions in there. He was a very safe pick to see him go down. Uh, you know, my sympathies to all the Grant owners out there. If you drafted Brandon Jackson, I guess, congrats are in order because you backed him up, you cuffed your running back, and here you are. You've got a starter. Uh, you know, you're still okay. So, Mike, Brandon Jackson, I mean, we were just talking about Dallas. I mean, does, does Green Bay make a move here? Maybe to grab, It doesn't sound like Lynch is going anywhere. Maybe it's a sharp choice comes out of nowhere. Would Jerry Jones pull something off like that, or, or is this just Brandon Jackson? Uh, is this his time? I think it's Brandon Jackson all all the way out, and then they're going to uh, rely on uh, maybe Coon or uh, uh, somebody else uh, to get it done. Uh, you know that's that's just the way Green Bay does things. Uh, yeah. They're right. They're a, they're, a, they're a playoff team, and uh, there's no reason why they shouldn't rely on uh, uh, Jackson to get it done, and they're, they'll pull from within. It's like I said on this show a long time ago, Scott. Uh, if you have a system in place, there's different players that will make that system work. And uh, I think Brandon Jackson will make that system work just like Ryan Grant did. Well, we'll see. Brandon Jackson's going to be an interesting player to watch. Uh, I, I saw a lot of teams bidding, you know, $950, $980 of their $1,000 worth of bid cash on Brandon Jackson this week. And I can't blame them. I mean, even if I don't like the player, he's in a great situation. Listen, I watched Notre Dame game, and I didn't think very much of Ryan Grant either. That Green Bay offense is predicated upon running the ball. He's not going to catch nearly as many passes as you might think because the Green Bay running back doesn't do that in the offense. They are there to run the ball, and then maybe that third down back, which, again, they're going to have to have somebody. They brought in a Dimitri Nance who – you know, I searched for any kind of info I could on this kid, and, I mean, he's just a complete unknown from Arizona State. He came in. He was drafted, I think, by the Falcons. Uh, he got a little bit of preseason work there. Did score a touchdown in the preseason. But he just doesn't – I mean, there's nothing special about this guy. And, again, that's kind of Ryan Grant, too. So, you know, I was I didn't really want to spend $900 on Bryant Grant and Jackson when I can get a Dimitri Nance maybe for, like, 25 or 50 bucks, And then, you know, it's a cross-my-fingers type pick anyway. So – I think the well, this is this is very eerie, very similar to what Denver did uh, with uh, Shanahan a few years ago with running backs, left and right. You know, if they went out, one went down, we'll throw another one in. Well, this is a very tight situation that I think that uh, Green Bay is going to be able to embrace. And uh, you know, if you're if you have Brandon Jackson, congrats. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Well, I think who this really impacts more than anybody is your Michael Finley. I mean, red zone lookout for Michael Finley now. Everybody that drafted him, and look, 
I'm as guilty as I took Brandon. I took Jermichael Finley over Dallas Clark, too, and I'm sitting back saying, what the heck was I thinking? Yeah. You know, I like the guy and everything, but, geez, Louise, Dallas Clark is about as safe as it gets, and he's heavily involved in the offense. He's a monster. He's a beast. At one and a half points for reception, what in the world was I thinking? But, you know, I think now with the, with the Ryan Grant injury, this helps Jermichael Finley quite a bit. Uh, in the red zone, Rodgers is going to look to him. But I'll tell you, I wasn't impressed with what I saw from Aaron Rodgers the other day. I don't know about you, but against Philadelphia, he did not look sharp at all. Missed all kinds of passes. He overthrew Jennings. I think he went over three on third downs in the fourth quarter. He was just missing receivers left and right. It was like he wasn't even throwing them close to him. And that interception, you know, even uh, even our boy uh, Aikman, he, he was he was announcing the game with Joe Buck, and he looked at him and he was like, what? Who's he throwing to over there? There's a green. There's a, that's the only guy that's out there is the Philadelphia Eagles. So I don't know if the typical first game. game. Man, uh, Scott, that's a typical first game. Uh, yeah. I saw a lot of things. Uh, Max Schaub, he did the same thing, and you know, I'm thinking, what the heck is he thinking? Uh, typical first game jitters or what have you, and uh, they're going to get settled in. Uh, and you know, they're some of the best uh, best quarterbacks in the league. So. You know, if it happens again in week two, then there's a problem. All right, let's keep on with the sympathies then. My sympathies to Matt Stafford owners. Uh, obviously, if you took him, hopefully you took him as a backup quarterback. Uh, you'd only be a, an idiot to take him as your uh, QB1. But, uh, hey, you took him as your backup, and he goes down, so you have to find a backup for him. It hurts Calvin Johnson significantly. Uh, that's really the only guy. And it also affects Java's best owners. Java's best owners uh, were very high on him going into the draft. He went pretty much in the second and third round. He went 2-4 in my draft in war, at the World Championship. And, uh, you know, it's going to hurt me because they're, they're going to go eight in the box now, Mike. No doubt about it. They're going to go eight in the box, and they're going to they're gonna force Sean Hill to beat you until Matt Stafford gets back. Very tough break for Lions owners who are used to this type of thing. Let me ask you this. Uh, the, the pass that was thrown to Calvin Johnson that uh, basically Detroit, by, by rule, did not win that game, uh, who threw that pass? Sean Hill. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you, the Bears are underrated, too, in that game. They they were very good. So I don't want to condemn Sean Hill just yet. But at the same time, it's go, they're going to take a significant hit with that. Uh, there's just no no way you can't when you when you've had all this rhythm and practice with Matt Stafford to lose your guy like that for I don't know how long I mean I, I'm thinking about dropping him uh, really I, I don't know if I can just hang on to him for five or six weeks and just to see what happens by that time you know Roethlisberger will be back and I'll and I'll have him in the lineup so I don't know I, I'm still undecided with what to do about Stafford I'm going to hold on to him for another week to see what happens and then I'll make up my mind from there but my sympathies to Matt Stafford owners also Mike I want to condole. Uh, you know, throw down some sympathies to the Michael Crabtree owners. I mean, what what the heck is going on in this league, man? Uh, Alex Smith, I, I want to talk about Alex Smith for a second. This guy has had every chance in the world. They've given him every opportunity. He goes 26 for 45 and 225. He looked pretty good early on uh, throwing that pass to Josh Morgan. Uh, but at, after that, I mean, he didn't have anything going for him, nothing at all. No chemistry with Michael Crabtree. Uh, Scott, there, there is no chemistry between Singletary, uh, Alex Smith, Crabtree, and the entire team. I think, I'll be honest with you, I think Mike Singletary has lost chemistry with, with the entire team. And, you know, I thought that this guy is a great coach, but I don't know right now because nobody is buying into him because he's giving us a you know, the way about him, the way he is, and uh, it's just not working right now. And this is just week one. He he uh, he overthrew Vernon Davis. It looked like he kept trying. The harder he tried, the worse he got. And, you know, uh, he didn't have any accuracy whatsoever. They, they came with the blitz all day long at, at Seattle. And when you rattle Alex Smith, you can just mark it. You can put it in the book. It's over. I mean, Gore... This affected Gore heavily. If it weren't for Gore's receptions, you know, uh, he would be toast right now. I mean, he, he did pull out a 13 or 14-point uh, week uh, there. But, uh, listen, man, this, this San Fran thing has got to stop. San Fran, the coaching staff has got to remove Alex Smith. 
I'm talking about a halftime of this week's game, Mike, on Monday night at home, okay? New Orleans at San Francisco. It's the biggest game of the year. You're playing the Super Bowl champs. I'm going to go on record and say, if at halftime, Alex Smith is not showing any signs of life getting Vernon Davis or Michael Crabtree, two elite talent, involved in this game, I say they yank his ass out on the sideline. It's over. The Alex Smith experiment's over. His career's over. And I would put in, you wait for this, Troy Smith, not David Carr. I would put in Troy Smith. I think he can get – I think the players will rally around Troy Smith. The kid can play. He can, he can throw the ball from Ohio State. He has a lot of experience playing as a backup in Baltimore. Now, that's the guy I would give the team to, not David Carr. I'd give it to Troy Smith. Well, you know, I totally disagree with you right there, Scott, uh, because the reason is is this is week one. If uh, if the coaching staff, the offensive coordinator, and on down the line hasn't got uh, hasn't got the rest of the team to buy in to the quarterback they have now, after just one week, then you know I, there's a problem, and it starts from up top. So I, you know you, you can't. You can't can't go that route. Uh, I would say uh, Alex Smith is going to be there. Uh, Mike Singletary, he's throwing out the proverbial "Thank you, Pete Carroll, for kicking our butt" and this and that. But uh, you know, you, you can't go you can't go that route. And uh, I would say uh, San Francisco, they will bounce back. All right. Well, he was dropped in one of my main events, so I'll uh, if that happens, I guess I'll scoop him back up. But not. Uh, not what I'm looking for. C.J. Spiller owners, uh, again, my sympathies. Here you are. He looked, he looked great in the preseason. And, and what happens, uh, you're, you're looking forward to a, a big uh, Arian Foster, job at best type day playing the Miami Dolphins. And what you get is seven carries for six yards. Now, thankfully, he got you four catches for eight yards. Uh, but five and a half points is just not going to cut it. And yeah. – uh, I guess Fred Jackson is uh, is coming back. He got a few carries. He's getting healthier. What happens to this C.J. Spiller? Do they move him back into the garage and uh, and let Fred Jackson run the show? That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta do oil change on uh, uh, C.J. Spiller and uh, just see what happens and uh, go from there. But uh, you know, I mean, it's like I said before the season started. You know, he's put into a situation. You really can't win in that situation in Buffalo. You cannot win. It's not a very good team, not a very good line. There's nothing good about that team. I hate to say that, but it's untrue. There's nothing good about that team. Trent Edwards is quarterback. Okay. Well, how how much confidence do you have in that? Uh, but C.J. Spiller, uh, you know, if I'm an owner – I'm sorry, but uh, you you can't go anywhere with him right now. But if you're a dynasty owner, hang on to him and uh, just stay with him and see what happens. Yeah, Alex is making a good point. A system and opportunity are more important than talent, and that's uh, that's the case here with Buffalo. They're going to line eight in the box and make Trent Edwards beat you. And this week, it doesn't get <laughs> it doesn't get much easier, Mike, for for Buffalo. Uh, every, you know this, this schedule that they have. Uh, if you've looked at it, it is. It is not for the for the week at heart here. Buffalo has a has a tough haul week in and week out here. It's not it's not going to be fun for this team. So let, let's take a look at um, this Jerome Harrison situation, Mike. Again, I don't know what the problem is here. Peyton Hillis getting all the work, really. But Jerome Harrison, I'll tell you, he ripped off that that big nifty thirty nine yard run and uh, broke it, you know, broke it out, and, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, they've got to get this kid the ball. Why are they not getting Jerome Harrison the ball? I don't understand. Peyton Hillis, obviously, they like this guy. He's kind of filling that Mike Allstock number 40 type role, but Jerome Harrison was the guy. He, what, what is he not doing to get on the field? It, it, it's got to be something, and, and uh, I, I don't know what to put my finger on yet, but I, I'll tell you, I, if I were a Jerome Harrison owner, much like the Jamal Charles owners, I'm, th- I'm scratching my head saying, what is the coach's staff doing not using him? Yeah, you know, I don't understand either. I mean, uh, you know, Jerome Harrison has a lot of capabilities. The only thing I can I can think, Scott, is that uh, Peyton Hillis is just younger. He, he's got uh, 
a lot more capabilities out of the backfield because, I mean, he's a lot better re- receiver than uh, than Harrison is, and uh, maybe they're using that. Uh, Cleveland, you know, they, they've got a lot of things to uh, work on, but uh, if I – you know, I'm looking at, at this as a dynasty owner. If I'm a dynasty owner, I'd rather have Peyton Hillis than I would Jerome Harrison. Yeah. Well, again, listen, they didn't they didn't hand off. They, they maybe late in the game there, they started to give the ball to Harrison, and they handed him the ball three times in a row, and he went they went three and out on that drive. So it's like they didn't get him going until uh, late, and after that big run, you thought for sure they would. But you know, I think he's the better receiver. Uh, Peyton Hillis did get the work, though. Four catches, 24 yards for, for Hillis. So, you know, this week they played Kansas City, who might – that was an exciting team that night. I don't know if you caught that game on Monday night, but Jamal Charles busted a big one. Dexter McCluster looked like lightning. Uh, this team had a lot going for it, however. I mean, it was driving down rain. Uh, Tony Moyaki, the uh, the new tight end there, the rookie, he looked fantastic. Uh, Matt Castle looked absolutely awful. Dwayne Bowe in the same camp. If you drafted Dwayne Bowe, my sympathies, man, because here we are. We were all prepped for a big year from Dwayne Bowe, and he, the first week of the season, he wasn't even involved in the offense. I've never seen anything like that either. I mean, just to have your – I think that's your best player on, in, in the passing game, and you don't even go to him. So I don't know I don't know what that's all about either. Scott, to, just to jump in, uh, kind of segue in what Alex just said, uh, it's system. Uh, Matt Castle was, uh, you know, when he took over for uh, Tom Brady in New England, uh, everything was gravy. I mean, everything was fine. And then he goes to New England or to uh, Kansas City, and then, uh-oh, bumping the road. Well, you know, we still got to remember these are systems. And systems work. And yeah. Matt Castle's having a hard time with it, but, you know, they made it work, and uh, I, I felt good about that for uh, Kansas City. But it's Jamal Charles that drives Kansas City. Yeah. Now, you know, look, this was a, this was a one week here. It, it did not go well for Dwayne Bowe or Matt Castle. I think we will see a little bit of, uh, of better things to come for Dwayne Bowe, but it, it just didn't start well. It was not a good start. And, you know, the same thing could be said about a lot of players that were drafted in that first round, uh, you know, Ray Rice didn't have a good start. Uh, Randy Moss, uh, Michael Turner. Uh, I'd like you know. to talk about your Jets. Say what? I would like to talk about your Jets. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to our Jets, too. I mean, look, a lot of people didn't have, a lot of players, Andre Johnson, I mean, they did not have great starts to the season. And like, I'm not ready to write off the Matt Castle, the Dwayne Bowe show yet. I mean, if you've got him, you have to start him still unless you've got a much better option where you can sit and wait. But, I mean, this week it's at Cleveland. So, I don't know. I, I think we have to still consider the fact that, you know, they can put up big numbers. I mean, Freeman, I mean, hello, uh, a, a second-year guy put up 200 yards and two touchdowns. So, let's, you know, Mike Williams looks good. He had a couple of – he had a touchdown, almost two touchdowns. He really should have had two. As a rookie, I, I would be putting Mike Williams in my lineup, but – you know, Cleveland is not going to stop uh, the air attack from Kansas City. They might do. They might be able to shut down the ground game uh, for well, Kansas Scott, City. They, they will not shut down the pass. That's what I was saying at the beginning of the show. Uh, we've got uh, so many players uh, that did so well, uh, like your Forte, your Ocho Cinco. Uh, you know, different players that did so well in Week One, and then you have the guys that we just mentioned that didn't do so well. Well, by, say, week three or four, that's going to even itself out. Uh, those guys that were below the charts, uh, they're going to come back up. So, uh, you know, you can't you can't give up on anybody on week one. Yeah, that's right. Week one is an anomaly for, for a lot of guys. Don't give up on your team just yet. That, that Tampa Bay team, again, Mike Williams, he's the best player out there for Tampa already, and he's a uh, – he, it's, not, it's not even close, Mike. Separation's not a problem. Uh, he can catch the deep ball. He, can, he He's very physical. And uh, you're going to see a lot of coverage roll over to Mike Williams. That's the only thing that can stop this guy is is for, for defense to look around and say, hey, there's not a lot else out here, especially with a Winslow knee injury. Uh, if Winslow's not out there, expect a couple of, you know, expect more double coverages for Mike Williams. That's when it'll get scary because I don't want to see Freeman forcing it into Mike Williams and double coverage. 
Kellen Winslow has to be out there on that field for Mike Williams to take true advantage uh, in your lineup. So if you have Mike Williams, you might want to consider being very careful with him this week against Carolina. Carolina is no slouch uh, in the pass defense department, and I, I would be very careful about putting him in the lineup. Watch what happens with Winslow. If Winslow's in the game, get get Mike Williams in your lineup. But if Winslow decides to sit, you you might think that he's going to get more work, but I can see them really rolling all the coverage over and just trying to shut down their best player, which is Mike Williams. I'm surprised uh, the number on this game is 39, uh, not to bring in betting, but, uh, you know, Tampa Bay and Carolina, you know, I can see uh, if you're a D-Wheel owner or a Jonathan Stewart owner, you better go on them right now. Because I think uh, I think Carolina, with their uh, two-headed monster in the back in the backfield, will have a lot of fun with these guys. Uh, but I think the uh, the number thirty-nine is going to be a, it's going to go under that. Yeah, Tampa Bay doesn't have a good run defense at all. If you've got D'Angelo, you have to get him started. This will be the week D'Angelo explodes. Uh, I don't think Jonathan Stewart is quite there yet, Mike. They're easing him into this offense very very slowly. Five carries. Uh, proves that they're they're not ready to give it to him like they want to. You you will see with Jonathan Stewart. I think what you're talking about. You will see that 50-50 split of carries later on in this season. But right now, I think it's a couple of weeks behind where Jonathan Stewart wants to be at. I mean, on five carries, I think he will maybe push him up to ten carries this week at most. Uh, he might get 10 carries, and then Jonathan Stewart getting 25. You know, that's the way we're going to see it this week. And I think D'Angelo will have a very, very nice week this week, and that's, we'll justify yeah, that's second round. That's what I'm banking on this week. And uh, but uh, I don't expect Tampa Bay to do much at all against Carolina's defense. Uh, I would start Carolina's defense if you if you have them. Yeah. Let's talk about. Uh, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to bore people with uh, obvious picks here. I mean. You know, Michael Turner had a terrible week. You've got to get him in the lineup this week. Things are going to really turn around against Arizona. I love the Atlanta defense this week. If you picked up, uh, hopefully if you looked at waivers, uh, you saw the matchup that was in front of them. Arizona at home, at Atlanta, in the Dome. Uh, Atlanta's going to want to play, uh, play for their fans, and they played a very good game against Pittsburgh. My very physical game for both teams. And watching that game, I, I, I come away very impressed with Atlanta. Uh, and, and so I, I think this is a game that you will want to start that defense. Roddy White was obviously the monster for the for Matt Ryan. He, he didn't really have anything else going. He forced it into Tony G a couple of times to get him that 100 catches or that 1,000 catches, which is just incredible. Congratulations, Tony Gonzalez. But Roddy White, 23 targets, Mike. Are you kidding me? I mean, this guy is going to prove his draft stock in absolute gold. So I don't want to bore you with those types of obvious picks. Let's – Let's move down the, the ladder here a little bit, Mike, where people want to be. You know, you're trying to figure out what to do with your lineup in some of these leagues, and you, you have the Chicago Bears situation uh, from this past week. They play a great game against the Lions. That defense is very underrated. And on the offensive side of the ball, Jay Cutler swung it around for 370 yards. The question is, Mike, Devin Hester, Johnny Knox, and Devin Romashadu. Roma Shadu, I heard his name over and over ten times on ten targets. Knox with seven, Hester with one. Uh, obviously, it was the Devin Aromashadu hour. But from what I'm hearing, Mike, uh, it was single coverage for Devin Aromashadu. Devin Hester was being double covered. So what will we see this week, Mike, uh, from a team that, uh, you know, still is a Jay Cutler team, but Matt Forte is, uh, is quite a weapon out of the backfield. It's at Dallas. It's a big, huge game for the Cowboys. What would you do if you had one of those uh, bare wide receivers? I would uh, I would stay away from all three of them, and I would focus on the tight end. Uh, I see a lot of underneath passes happening from Cutler. Uh, Dallas is going to be blitzing left and right. That's that's the uh, the new style. That's what they want to do. Uh, so I you know I would have a hard time uh, going with any of the wide receivers for Chicago right now. Well. You know, um, I've got uh, what's up, War Kittens in the chat room. He loved Michael Turner this year, so I'm sure he is uh, going to defend his boys at the very end. Listen, Devin Aromashadu was clearly the guy. He was he was Cutler's favorite target. We saw this last year, Mike, and a lot of people were sleeping on Aromashadu. Knox was the sexy pick coming up to the draft. You know, 
And guys got a Roman should do in the tenth round. I passed on him at ten nine, and I'm already regretting it, Mike. I think a Roman should do is clearly uh, the guy for Jay Cutler that that he wants to uh, get involved. And you know, it was Matt Forte's day. Let's not let's not make a mistake about that. But um, this game, uh, Chicago at Dallas, I, I really I really see as another uh, day for. Uh, Jay Cutler to really throw that ball around. Look, Dallas is going to jump out on you if you're not careful. But that Chicago defense is underrated. I'm telling you, be careful in this game, Mike. Don't be taking your Cowboys in any survivor pools this week. This game, this game, uh, on paper, it should be a blowout from the word go. Uh, It should give Cutler a chance to uh, do some things. Uh, If you're going to get – uh, wide or tight ends involved in the game. It's going to have to happen early. Um, wide receivers, I don't see much happening. I, I, I do. I, I just don't see much happening. Hester, I don't see much happening. Uh, the uh, safeties and uh, DBs for Dallas, they're going to negate anything, anything. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be a squash. Uh, I just don't see much out of uh, any anything out of Chicago's offense this week. All right, well, let's move on to that Monday night game against the uh, the New York Jets against the Baltimore Ravens. Look, a lot of guys are railing on my New York Jets right now, and deservedly so. Sanchez did not look sharp. Uh, Sean Green got the ball, and every time he got it, he fumbled, it seemed like. LT was really the only bright spot on the team on the offensive side of the ball. Keller catches the ball short of the first down line. Kosheri has who who usually is sure-handed. He dropped a, a couple of key balls, and and it seemed like they had Sanchez so scared to throw the ball downfield. He checked it down. He was captain checked down every time, and uh, nothing was going right. And again, that's Baltimore defense. Baltimore did look very strong, and it seemed like the coaching staff just decided to run the ball up the middle every time, and that's that's catering right to Baltimore's strength. Their secondary is their weakness. They should have tried to exploit it. On the other side of the ball, let's talk about the Jets' D for a second, Mike. Revis was still Darrell Revis. They did not throw towards Darrell Revis one time in that game, Mike. They knew it was not a situation for them to, to throw the ball towards him. They, they took advantage of Kyle Wilson, the rookie from Boise State. Although he did hang with Bolden, he didn't stop Bolden. But when Bolden caught the ball, Wilson wrapped him up. That was kind of the situation for Kyle Wilson. He didn't let Bolden burn him. But when Bolden would catch the ball, he'd wrap him up. The other thing was Cromartie, Mike. Oh, my gosh, this guy, penalty after penalty. I think I had, there was 150 yards of penalties just for Antonio Cromartie. They moved the ball down the field on penalties and punched it in from the goal line on first and goal from the one with McGahee. So, really, Baltimore didn't do anything on their side of the ball either. But at the end of the day, they did more than the Jets' offense, which looked totally in that. Well, yeah, you know what? I didn't. I didn't get a chance to watch the game, the entire game. But uh, the one thing I, I just I don't like about the Jets, uh, they they do not have a, a quarterback. I mean, I like Mark Sanchez; he's okay. But uh, do I feel confident that he can uh, that he can beat New England this week? No way, no way. And so, uh, <laughs> Baltimore is very good defense, and you know they got they got a lot of things going on uh, positive for them. And it was a smash mouth game, ten nine. I mean that's a tough game, but right. uh, the Jets they're going to have to show me something offensively that I can buy into. Well, of course that's what you're going to have to see. I'm not ready to give up on Sean Green yet. I think they're going to go back to you know matter of fact the first play of the game Sanchez drops back. And tosses a nice ball out to to, to a rocket that out to Sean Green, and, and he takes off for 12 yards. You know, I'm like, wow, Sean Green involved in the passing game. Look out, this could be dangerous. But then, yep. you know, they, they they threw it to him one more time, and it bounced right off of his hands. I was like, oh boy, here we go. I mean, that's not what we wanted to see from the New York Jets, especially opening up the stadium uh, with Revis right back uh, in in town. Uh, Welker will be the story of this game here this week. New England at the Jets. Uh, Welker was back in a big, big way. Two touchdowns on eight receptions, 11 targets. Mike, I drafted Randy Moss in the Kentucky State Championship, and I'm telling you right now, I'm benching Randy Moss. 
I'm not going to start him. I have that wow. much confidence. I have that oh, much confidence. And Tom Brady. Tom Brady has no reason to throw toward Darrell Revis when he has Wes Welker, Brandon Tate, and those tight ends that will be open all day, apparently, with the rest of the secondary. There's no reason for Brady to throw. Steps left and right. Randy Moss is a good play. I mean, I've heard from you, and and I heard on uh, ESPN and all those those things, Randy Moss is a bad play. I say bullcrap. Play Randy Moss. All right, Mike. We're gonna have. I smell sideways here because remember, you didn't. You didn't think Eddie Royal was gonna do anything either. So, so let's let's talk about a side bet here. Well, uh, score more touchdowns. How, how many how many uh, points are you predicting for Randy Moss? Uh, at least twenty. <laughs> okay, we got ourselves a bet. Well, no, we we got to think of something good. Somebody in the chat room, think of something good. He what? is saying that Randy Moss is going to score 20 on Darrell Revis. We got to think of a side bet, so we'll uh, we'll we'll let the chat room help us out help us out with that one. But I take that bet. I gladly accept it. We'll work on the terms. You already owe me like four butter burgers, my friend. So I'm not I'm not going double or nothing on those. I'm not going to put those up on the line. Those four butter burgers are mine. Uh, we're we're going to have to come up with something a little tastier. All right. I guess we got. I guess we uh, the cat has his tongue now. So again, look, this is going to be the West Welker show again. If you have Welker, obviously he's in your lineup. But the guys that you want to consider in your lineup, Edelman is dinged up. Uh, Brandon Tate, I would consider maybe with a with a start if you had to uh, this week. If you have an injury or or something's not going your way, maybe you drafted Beanie Wells. Maybe somebody that you were counting on. Maybe you drafted Spiller, and you don't want to do that again this week. This is the type of week that I think you could put in a Brandon Tate or maybe a second tight end like an Aaron Hernandez. This kid, man, they they kept this story very quiet, Mike. This kid is an absolute talent. He is a beast. I could see him in a couple of years developing into a very dangerous type tight end for Tom Brady. So, uh, you know, this is going to be a game where it's, 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 it's going to be a lot of defense, but I, I predict that Tom Brady will have his way to throw the ball around uh, on on this Jets secondary, so I I don't think it's going to be the well, Wes Welker, but uh, you know uh, it it should be fun, and uh, you know this you know it's got if you're a Jet fan, you got to be wary. You got to be wary of what's going on here because uh, this is going to be a very dangerous territory. All right, let's move on to this. Uh... Philadelphia-Detroit game, Vic, uh, obviously Kevin Cobb. Look at all the teams that drafted Kevin Cobb thinking he was the next coming. I mean, already anointing him a top-ten quarterback right out of the gate. Now, Mike, I think he didn't show us much against Green Bay, and then all of a sudden he goes down with an injury, a concussion. Now Michael Vick comes into play. He's got a great matchup at Detroit, Mike. I think Vic could actually steal this job with two easy games back-to-back. I know what Andy Reid said, but... You let Vic rack up a couple of really sweet games, you're going to have the boo birds out for Kevin Cobb as soon as he returns. It would be a very tight, sticky situation for here's Andy Reid right back into the mess with a quarterback controversy. Well, Scott, this is a perfect situation for uh, Michael Vick to start on the road at Detroit, and Detroit is a must-improve team, and Detroit is going to show Michael Vick that you just can't shuffle around three yards deep, five yards deep in the pocket, and do what you want to do because Detroit's going to take care of that situation real quick. So they, they've got to get some kind of run the game, and Michael Vick's got to learn how to pass the ball. If that don't happen, Detroit will win that game. Well, that's, uh, that's yet to be seen. I mean, I don't know where Brent Selleck is. I was looking all over. Uh, for him on the field, Mike, and with Vic out there on the field, all, half of their packages did not include Brad Selleck. He was not there. I mean, I'm like, okay, uh, let's see if he'll get a catch. Wait a minute. He can't get a catch. He's not even on the field. I was very upset with how they were using Brad Selleck. Uh, it, it was just not an ideal situation because you spent a very high pick. He was shut out of the stat sheet, and he had to, he had to, cut, he had to stay in and help block more. That offensive line is struggling. And, uh, I mean, he was able to grab two passes, but 
But that was it against Detroit, man. If the pass rush was there, you got to stay back. But like, I, I think this is the week that Brent Selleck finally gets out of that slump here. And uh, you know, he was in a slump in the preseason too. So let's hope that Vic sees him wide open and, and can get him the ball for all you Selleck owners. McCoy, LaShawn McCoy, Mike Shady McCoy, he looked fantastic. I think this guy. Uh, I, I I'm gonna admit something. You know, I I have not been. I have, I've kind of been sleeping on him because I haven't been impressed with his numbers and his uh, all all the strength statistics on this guy. He's not a very strong back, but look, five catches on five targets. I mean, he, he's uh, 47 yards, 35 rushing, a touchdown. He looked good when he had the ball. And this is a guy that, again, uh, Alex talked about earlier this year. You get 50 catches and you're a top 10 back, Mike. I don't think there's any way in the world LaShawn McCoy doesn't get 50 catches. What do you think? Well, no, I, you know, I don't think he'll get that many catches as long as uh, Michael Bick is the uh, is the quarterback. Because Michael Bick is going to do that three, four-step drop, and then he'll run. And, you know, it's going to take away from McCoy. He def- he's definitely not getting the carries. Uh, not not with a team like that. There's there's no there's no. Uh, it's not the type of offense. Vic's going to cut into the carries, but he's definitely going to be a, a PPR monster. I, I don't think there's any any doubt about that. It could be a Tim Hightower type year, but I think I think we saw some action from Lashawn McCoy that we're going to see more of. And that was a tough game against Green Bay too. So you talk about a, a fantasy back again. There's a difference between good being a good NFL back and being a good fantasy back. And McCoy, uh, not a good NFL back that week, but he still put up 20 fantasy points against a tough Green Bay defense, Mike. If he can put up 20 points against Green Bay, I mean, the sky's the limit for this guy. So uh, that, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Not a, not a justification for LaShawn McCoy, the running back, but LaShawn McCoy, the fantasy back. I think there is a big difference there to consider. So Sunday night, Mike, the Eli Manning versus Peyton Manning, the Manning Bowl. Uh, we've got four minutes left in the program here. Uh, let's hit this game, Mike. Austin Collie, 11 targets, 11 receptions. Garcon with a case of the dropsies, man. He had a, he would have had a great game if he would have caught the damn ball in the end zone. So now you've got questions about who does Peyton Manning trust right now, and it's obviously Austin Collie. He's got Austin, he's got Dallas, and he's got Reggie Wayne. Why would you throw it to Garcon if he's just going to drop the ball? Uh, you know, I... It's going to be a mess of a situation counting on any of those guys week to week. Perfect draft answer, guys, but you know I would not like that. I would not like to be in that situation trying to guess who is who's going to be Austin or or, or Garcon week in week out. I, you know, Scott, I totally agree with you. Real quick, uh, it's a it's a tough situation with all of them, uh, and you know Clark, uh, Garcon, Polly, and then you know. You got uh, Joseph Adai. He may even uh, figure in the factor uh, coming out of the backfield. Uh, it just depends on the situations, the matchups. Uh, those teams, they know the matchups. They know what they need to do, and they know what they need to take care of in that situation. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Austin Collie this week. All right, Mike. Survivor pools, uh, you know, we love the survivor pools. We love the player props. Player props are not up yet, so uh, we're going to – we're going to defer to the survivor pool. If you're in a survivor pool, last week uh, we, we told you to uh, – what, what, who did we have last week? I'm going to have to pull it up. But anyway, it was a win. Oh, we took Miami. We took Miami, took Miami over Buffalo. This week I'm encouraging you to take Atlanta against Arizona. If you're in your playoff pool, take Atlanta over Arizona. That's the play this week for your survivor pool. Mike, who do you have? Dallas. Dallas. Uh, last week I took the Giants. This week I'm taking Dallas. All right, my friend. Well, listen, uh, high stakes football is in full effect. Hopefully you guys are happy with your, your waiver wire. We didn't get a chance to talk about Mark Clayton very much. I love this kid, man. I think he's got a new life in St. Louis. Remember something, Mark Clayton went to Oklahoma. Sam Bradford, number one pick in the draft, another Oklahoma alum. When, when Bradford was a freshman, Clayton was a senior, so there was a lot of uh, synergy here that comes into play, and he looks fantastic. If you've watched that game, I've watched it twice now. 16 targets, catching balls left, right, on his back. He was everywhere. I think this guy will be a legitimate number one wide receiver. He, he, coming into the team, he already won the synergy, Mike, so 
Be on the, if you didn't get Mark yep. Clayton, hopefully you got him in the waiver wire. Mike, 20 seconds. I'll give you the last word. Well, I didn't get him. Uh, I spent uh, I spent quite a bit of money, but didn't get him. But those who got him, uh, you know what? I tell you what, you dropped you dropped the number three. You are listening to one. Red versus Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time. That was good, Scott.